Welcome to the Cure Church Lee Summit Podcast. Here at the Cure Church, we believe Jesus is the cure for whatever you may be going through. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, we pray this week's message encourages you. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you, we praise you, we acknowledge you, Father. We ask, God, that you would move mightily, whether we're in our living rooms or in our car, wherever we're at, God, move in this place, Father. We pray an outpouring of your spirit. I pray anoint every ear and every heart, God. I come against distraction. I pray for the spirit of God to begin to fall right where we're at, God. We pray that you would touch us. We pray that you would challenge us, convict us, God, cause us, God, to rise about the place we've been and take us into greater territory. Father, I pray that you would anoint me to speak your word with boldness and passion, God. I pray, God, the fire of God will begin to fill this house where I'm preaching at and the house where they're watching now. Father, we love you. We thank you. Have your way this morning, God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. So again, man, just focus on the word of God this morning. Get rid of all the distractions. Amen. Sit your children down. Get in front of the TV and in front of your tablet, your phone, whatever it is, man, and just begin to just posture yourself to allow God to speak to you this morning, amen? So if you were with us last week, we were starting this new series called Revision, and of course we had our conference called Revision, and the conference was just amazing, it was so powerful, it was the best conference I've ever been a part of. Uh, There was Bishop Tony Miller from the Gate Church down in Oklahoma, Pastor Omar Lopez from Praise Shop in Paramount, California, and of course, our apostle, uh, leader of our network of churches at The Cure, Pastor Kelly Lorke, amen. And it was just amazing, it was powerful. And I thought about, you know, these three days that we had this conference, and, you know, after three days it's over, but I didn't want it to be over. I didn't want to lose the momentum of what God was doing with just giving us messages and words of revision and vision and having vision once again, amen. And it it made me think that uh, if we're not careful, man, it is real easy to go blind to the things of God. See, we can begin to go blind to the things of God, but we can have our eyes on everything else that's around us. It's easy to lose focus on what you're called to keep your eyes on, amen. So let me say it again. It's easy to lose focus on the very things that God has called you to keep your eyes on. There are things, amen, that are all around us. Whether you know it or not, whether you feel it or not, there are things all around us, amen, that really are sent by enemies, by hell, to get us distracted, to get our focus off, amen. And the main thing is this, that the enemy does not want us to look at Jesus. We talked about this last week, amen, that we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. And as long as we keep our eyes on Jesus, just like Peter, we will not sink. The very things that should have buried me and took me out a long time ago couldn't. Why? Because I kept my eyes and my focus on Jesus Christ, amen. See, we have to have vision. We have to have revision. We have to go back to what our vision was and have it once again. Because the moment you lose vision, listen to me, the moment you lose vision is a moment that you stop seeing why you're serving God in the first place. That moment that you forget why I'm serving God, what I'm serving God for, the vision to to, to look into something greater, amen, that's the moment you begin to crumble in your faith. I wish I had the time to adequately explain what I really feel about vision, how I feel about vision, amen, because listen, vision to me is so personal because I'm here right now because of vision. From the moment I got saved, 
I had vision. I wanted to do more for God, amen? And it wasn't because I wanted a title or I wanted this or that. I just wanted to be used by God. I believed it, man. When I got saved, God, you could use my life. And that's the thing that a lot of us, we, we don't think of. We don't think that God can truly use our life, whether it's because you have a checkered past or your history or because you're older or younger, amen? And we begin to get all these excuses in our mind and in our spirit as to why God can't really use us. But listen, when you look at the word of God from Genesis to Revelation, he used anybody, amen? He used the ones that no one thought he should be using. So listen, I don't want you to listen to the lies of the enemy that says God can't use you. God can use anybody, amen? And if you're still alive, you're still breathing, that means there's still a plan for your life. I want you to believe it. I want you to know it. I want you to live in it, amen? So listen, we have to have vision. And like I said, it's personal. Because listen, when vision is real, watch this. When vision is truly, truly real in our spirit, when we really have vision that God, you're going to use my life for something great, you know what it means? When vision is that real, when you get offended, it won't derail you. Bitterness won't derail you. Nothing in hell will derail you because you're focused on the vision and doing what God has placed in your heart to do. So this morning, I want to read an account of a man who was desperate for vision. And that's how we have to be this morning. We have to be desperate for vision. If you have vision, be desperate for more vision. If you have no vision, ask God, Lord, give me vision. Amen. So before I read this account, I want to ask you a question as you watch this morning. Are you satisfied with living a life with no vision? Jesus and the disciples, they were on their way to an annual Passover. He was teaching on marriage as they're walking. When crowds are around, Jesus took that opportunity to teach. So now there's crowds around him. He's walking up to the annual Passover to Jerusalem. And as he's walking, there's people that are surrounding him. He begins to teach. He's teaching about marriage. He's teaching about, you know, divorce. He's teaching about the, the rich man. Tell the rich man, listen, you need to sell all you have, give it to the poor. He's challenging people as he's walking. He taught on what true servanthood looked like. He's beginning to teach him. And then we pick up in Mark chapter 10. Verse 46, and the Bible says that then, after he's on his journey going to uh, Jerusalem, the Bible says, then they reach Jericho. And as Jesus and the disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. Now, let me take you on a quick little detour before we get really into what I want to talk about. You know, uh, there's a reason that Jesus and the disciples were going through Jericho and then stopped in Jericho. Jericho, if you were a Bible buff, you would recognize that's the first city that was attacked by the children of Israel after they coming out of the desert, after wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. In the book of Joshua, the Israelites marched around Jericho one time a day for six days. On the last day, they walked around it seven times in that day. Then they blew the trumpets, blew the horns, blew all the instruments, and the walls of Jericho came crumbling down. Amen? Now watch this. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 6, verse 26, it says, At that time, Joshua invoked this curse. May the curse of the Lord fall on anyone who tries to rebuild the town of Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn son, he will lay its foundation, and the cost of his youngest son, he will set up its gates. Now, Joshua, after the walls came down, declared this curse over anyone who would try to rebuild what God tore down. Now watch this. 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 34 says this. And it was during the reign of Hiel, the man from Bethel, rebuilt Jericho. When he laid his foundation, it cost him the life of his oldest son, Abram. And when he completed it and set up his gates, it cost him the life of his youngest son, Tegub. This all happened according to the message from the Lord concerning Jericho, spoken by Joshua, son of Nun. 
So like I said, I'm going to take on a quick detour. But listen, I want to encourage you this morning that if God tore down something, it is not up to us to go and try to rebuild the things that God has torn down. Amen? See, this place was a cursed place. Because the moment Joshua said, whoever tries to come and rebuild this, they will be cursed. And the city was not supposed to be a city inhabited. It was not supposed to be a place that people went to. If you stay, this was a place where King Herod would go for vacation, and it was close to the water, and it was a place that people who were evil went and spent time at. So Jesus wasn't going there to hang out. He was going to pass through this place, amen? And it was also on the way from Jerusalem to Jericho, where the Good Samaritan had to help and rescue a man beaten and robbed. And this is where the account that we're going to read about this morning takes place. So Jesus and the disciples, again, were not going to Jericho. They were passing through Jericho on their way to Jerusalem. Now, the word of God does not say if Jesus performed a lot of miracles uh, while he was making his way through Jericho, but I would just have to imagine that he did. He was teaching. He was doing things. I would have to imagine some things were happening, right? Had to be some miracles, even if it were just a few. But crowds which were already following him before he even got to Jericho, more crowds from Jericho began to come around him. Word began to spread. There, were, there was more excitement. More people heard of his miracles, and, and there's this buzz going on around the air. So by the time that they were making their way out of Jericho, people everywhere were already hearing about this man named Jesus. Word had already spread all over Jericho. And the Bible says in the second part of verse 46 that a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. Amen. Now listen, let me say again, it's Passover season. This means that thousands of people from all over the place, I mean Jews from all over, are making this pilgrimage on their way to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. Now these people were passing right through Jericho, just with what Jesus was doing, and blind Bartimaeus knew this. Watch this. He also knew that religious people, for the most part, were more sensitive to the plight of the helpless, and they were probably more willing to give money or help somebody who's begging. So it's also possible that Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was in Jericho, he was on his way out, and if so, he knew that the best chance that he had to have an encounter with Jesus Christ would be to station himself at the city limits where Jesus would be passing by as he left the city. This means that even though Bartimaeus was blind, he knew that in order to get his miracle, in order to get his breakthrough, he had to position himself in the right place for that miracle to happen, amen? See, a lot of times we want the miracle of God, but we're not putting ourselves in the right place at the right time to receive what God has for us. We can go around and say, I need a job, I need this, but are you positioning yourself for that miracle? Are you positioning yourself for your breakthrough, amen? You can say, I need a miracle in my marriage, I need a miracle in my body, but are you positioning yourself to receive the very thing God desires to bring forth in your life? See, listen, I can say all I want, I need a miracle, I need a miracle, I need this, I need that, but if I'm not positioning myself, I'm not going to get it. I have to be where God wants me to be to receive my miracle. See, if I want a miracle, but I'm at the club or I'm somewhere I shouldn't be, I'm not going to get my breakthrough. I have to position myself where God wants me to get what God wants to give me. Amen? So they're passing through. Bartimaeus positions himself. And this man was desperate. Listen to me. He was desperate for more than just a handout. He wanted more. He was sick of living the way he had been living, wandering around in the dark, having no vision will paralyze you in your walk with God. Meaning, you will be stuck where you are with no possibility of moving forward. In your relationship with God, you're never supposed to stand still. 
And your walk with God, it's called a walk for a reason, amen? It's not called a standstill. It's called a walk for a reason. We are called to walk it out with God. We are called to move with God. We are called to go where God tells us to go. I don't want to be the same way I have been. I want to see more of God at work in my life and work in my wife and work in my children. I want to see God do more. But listen, that means that I have to position myself and I have to not be paralyzed by no vision. But I need to see clearly so I can see where God wants to take me. It'll keep you. If you have no vision, listen to me. It'll keep you depending on other people who already have vision themselves. It'll keep you sitting on the side of the road, waiting on, hoping for something to happen, amen, instead of running the race and making something happen on your own. See, listen, we have to go where we know Jesus is going to be. Listen, if you know God is going to be in the house of God, you need to show up to the house of God. You need to, listen, I want to be where Jesus is at, amen? That's how I'm going to get my miracle and my breakthrough. Listen, this was not the life this man was meant to live. Even his name proves this. Bartimaeus, the bar means son, son of Timaeus. The word Timaeus means highly prized. Highly prized meaning highly valuable, held in great esteem, very important, amen? This is who we're all called to be. And I declare this morning, this is who we are. We are sons and daughters of the most highly prized there is. We are not called to go through life with no vision, blind, and living in the dark, amen? How can I live in the dark when I serve the light? Verse 47 says this, when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus Son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was coming. And how did he hear? Because someone was speaking. Thank God, amen, that there is men and women of God who love God enough to actually talk about him who will not keep the relationship with God secret, who won't just talk about God in the church, amen, but will go and talk about God wherever they're at, at home, amen, at the nail salon, at the gym, wherever they're at. They're willing to talk about the God they serve. Because God showed me something. Hearing is what births our vision. See, listen, you have to have faith to have vision, right? And faith comes by what? Faith comes by hearing. So maybe you're here, and you say, Pastor, I love this word. I love the, I have vision. But maybe your brother and your sister, people who are around you, maybe they're struggling, and they lack vision. The more you speak about Jesus, hear me. The more you testify, the more you keep his praises on your lips, that person, amen, who is hearing you will begin to get encouraged and believe, amen, that if God can do what he's doing in you, then my God, he can do it in me. The Bible says in verse 48, be quiet. Watch this. Many of the people yelled at him, be quiet, be quiet. Shut up, Bartimaeus, be quiet. You know why they're doing that? Because to them, he lacked value. Because he was a beggar on the corner, he lacked value. So everyone told him to be quiet. Don't bother the teacher. Be quiet. But I love what the Bible says, amen. The Bible says that he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. My God. You know what I get out of this man? He was desperate. How desperate are we? How desperate are you, amen? His hope, 
Listen, his hope was coming, and there was no way that he was going to let this opportunity pass him by. Bartimaeus was probably blind his whole life, but he did not accept it, amen? He knew that there was a way maker right around the corner. He didn't give up. He didn't just give in. He didn't accept being blind and visionless. He wanted, and he saw, listen, Jesus is coming, amen? He's the very one who can free me from a life of darkness. Then when you know that Jesus is in the midst, man, you got to grab on. You got to yell louder. You got to scream, amen. Don't matter what it takes, you got to get your breakthrough, amen. Listen, don't ever be satisfied just living in darkness when all you got to do is just cry out. Cry out to the light. Don't ever, ever, ever accept anything less than what you know that God has for you. Sometimes we live such a limited lifetime, you know that's not how God wants you to live. We live limited, visionless, doing nothing, going through the motion, and God wants more. I'm even here to declare, listen, don't even speak negatives over your life. Don't even speak negatives over your life. Blind Bartimaeus could have said, I'm blind Bartimaeus. I'm blind, I'm blind, I'm blind. He didn't speak that. And you don't need to speak still, I'll always be poor. I'll always be depressed. I'll always not have vision. I mean, that's a lie from the pit of hell. You will be what God wants you to be if you would just believe it. When you really want vision, listen, when you really want vision and you don't, listen, you stop caring. You just stop caring about what people think of you, what they say about you. Listen, if I want vision bad enough, I'm going to yell, I'm going to scream, I'm going to get my worship on, I'm going to get my breakthrough on. Listen, I don't care what people think about it because I'm that desperate for vision. There's no more dignity. There's no more I want to look important in people's eyes. Who cares what people think? I want my cries to be heard by my Father in heaven that he can see that I'm desperate to no longer live, amen, in a limited capacity, but I really, really want more. And God will begin to break out and break forth when he sees my desperation. People were telling them, shut up. Be quiet. Some may have been afraid of the crowds. Bartimaeus could have been one said, oh, I better shut up. Maybe they'll hurt me. Maybe, maybe something's going to happen. Maybe they're going to kick me or throw dirt in my face. Some may say, well, I'm embarrassed because everyone's yelling at me. Everyone's telling me to shut up, but not this man. Not the son of the highly prized. They said, be quiet, and he shouted even louder, amen. He was desperate for a miracle. The Bible says, listen, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That means whatever is up in your heart, amen, it'll have to come out of your mouth. So if my heart is desperate for a miracle, listen, you want to hear it because I'm going to voice it. I'm going to speak it, amen. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, the reason you don't cry out to God like you should is because you really don't believe in your heart that God can do what he said he'll do. And because we don't believe in our heart that God can do what he said he'd do, we never voice it, we never shout it, we never cry out in desperation. We don't say nothing because we really don't believe it. But crying out, crying out shows that you know God is interested in your cry and that he will move, amen, when you're just desperate enough. I said last week, amen, that when Elijah told his servant, go out and look, He's believing for rain. He said, go out and look. He goes out one time. I don't see anything. Go again. I don't see anything. Three times. I don't see anything. It wasn't until the seventh time that a servant went out and saw a cloud the size of a man's hand. And I declared this last week. That even though it looks like a drought all around us, it may look like a drought, but the truth is God is just trying to see how desperate we really are for the rain. What you thought was a drought... It's really just a process.
and God's wanting to do something in your life. I love it, amen. You shout it louder. When I read this, man, I just get excited in my spirit. And it makes me wonder, amen, as I'm talking to you this morning, has the enemy ever tried to keep you quiet? Come on, somebody. Has the enemy ever tried to keep you quiet? And he uses all kind of different tools and things. He tries to use shame and guilt. He tries to use, amen, the things you've done. He'll try to use the fact that, that you're not where you thought you'd be at this point in your life. He'll try to use all these things to try to keep you quiet, amen. But listen, I declare that I'm not being quiet. You're not going to be quiet no more. We're going to get our shout on, amen. We're going to get our victory. We're going to let out a desperate cry and let God know, I need my breakthrough. Has any of you ever tried to steal your worship? Have you ever tried to steal your praise and your excitement for the things of God? Maybe tried to get you to walk in that condemnation and have you live there, feeling that I can't ever do anything. Well, the enemy tries to quiet you and tell you to shut up, amen. When that happens, that's a, that's a red flag. That, that's your sign. That, that tells you that I need to shout louder. I need to pray louder. I need to worship louder. Listen, there's a reason the enemy wants to keep you quiet. So when the enemy does try to keep you quiet, that means I'm on the midst of my breakthrough. I'm right around the corner from my break. There's a reason he's trying to keep me quiet. People may even try to keep you quiet. But do not be conformed, amen, to what other people want you to do, how they want you to sound, amen. You only need to care, amen, about being conformed to the image of God. I don't care what the media says. I don't care what nobody says. They really want to paint you in a corner. They want to put you in a box. They want to make you what everyone else is doing. Listen, we're not called to be like everyone else. The Bible says we are peculiar people, amen? We are a chosen generation. We are aliens. I'm not even of this world, amen? I may be in it, but I'm not of it. So it don't matter what everyone else does. It only matters, amen, how desperate we are to cry out for a miracle from God. The Bible says in verse 49 of our text, it says that when Jesus heard him, Remember, listen, first he heard about Jesus. And after he heard about Jesus, he began to lift up his desperation. And now Jesus is hearing him. It says when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on. He's calling you. According to John chapter 9, verse 2, blindness was considered to be a curse from God for sin. And that wasn't the case at all. And Jesus proved it by calling back to this man. He didn't ignore his cry. He didn't say, you're nothing but a sinner. He called him to him. After all the shouting, after all the crying out to God, the same people, watch this, the same people told him to shut up, amen, were now telling them to cheer up because now the master is calling for you. Verse 50 says, Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. See, Bartimaeus, just like other people who were blind, who were lame, he wore a coat that identified him as a blind man, so when people saw him, they knew his condition. Mm. But this is powerful, because when Jesus called him, he threw off the coat. He threw off the very thing that identified him as a blind man because he knew, listen, I ain't going to need this no more. I'm coming to get my miracle. Before Jesus offered to do anything for him, he had so much faith that he was about to get his vision and his life, amen, that he ripped off the old garments that identified him as a blind man. With Christ, listen, we all have a new identity. 
With Christ, we're no longer blind. We're no longer uh, lacking vision. Paul said we are new creation, meaning when we come to Christ, we can strip off our old nature and our old mindsets, amen? So listen, the Bible says in verse 51, what do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man, said, I want to see. Come on, somebody, right where you're at. Will you declare to the Lord, I just want to see. I know you can see in the natural, but God is saying, I want you to see in the supernatural. I want to give you vision for a hope and a future amen somebody needs to say that right now i want to see and jesus listen jesus knew already before this man said a word he knew what he needed he knew what he wanted but bartimaeus had to speak it out into existence speak out your miracle if you're going to seek it out you need to speak it out speak it into the atmosphere let the words reverberate out in the atmosphere Whatever your miracle is, whatever you're believing God for, amen, don't keep it inside. Begin to voice it and speak it out, amen? Declare it. Even if you don't see it right now, declare it. I do have a blessed marriage. My body is healed. My finances are well. My kids will serve God. Come on, begin to speak those things. The enemy hates when you speak by faith. So speak by faith. Believe God, amen, that when you release it into the atmosphere, something's happening. Jesus told him in verse 52, go for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. Instantly, the man could see and what did he do? He followed Jesus down the road. When you read this account written by Mark, it referred to Bartimaeus in the beginning as not someone they just met, but a brother. It referenced him in a way that shows that they knew blind Bartimaeus as they gave this account of his life as a fellow worker and a disciple of Jesus Christ. See, when Bartimaeus got his healing, when he got his breakthrough, it could have been real easy for him to say, man, I have vision for the first time. I'm going to go look for a wife. I'm going to go get a job. I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm going to live my life. But no, that's not what he did. He followed the vision giver. It's not enough. Listen to me. It's not enough just to have vision because once you have vision, what are you going to do with it? When you have vision, you have to follow the vision giver. And the vision giver will continue to give you vision. Listen, you, you can't just have one vision because what happens when you fulfill it and you reach that vision and that vision is fulfilled and God did it, amen? You have to believe God for more. So you always have to follow the vision giver in your life. And that's what Bartimaeus did. We're not going to call him blind Bartimaeus no more because Bartimaeus ain't blind. Bartimaeus has vision. He can see. And God did that. And what God did for Bartimaeus, I'm telling you, God can do it for you right now. I know, I know. Not in the physical. You may not be blind, but I'm telling you, God still wants to give you vision. What are you believing God for this morning? And whatever it is, I'm going to challenge you. Think bigger. Don't let it be a limited vision. Don't be a vision that you could actually probably do yourself if you work hard enough. Let it be a vision so big it scares you. Let it be a vision so big that if God's not in it, it ain't going to happen. That's the kind of vision that we need to have as sons and daughters of the king. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your sons. I pray for your daughters, God. And I pray right now, God, give us vision. Lord, your word says in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. 
they cast off all restraint, God. Father in heaven, we need vision, Lord God, because without vision, God, I may perish. Other people that you've assigned me to may perish, God. I want to have vision, Lord God, so big that I know you have to be involved for it to ever come to pass, God. Lord in heaven, I don't want to live in the dark. Your people that are watching do not want to live in the dark, God. We want to live in the light. Give us vision, Lord God, for more souls that are being saved, God. Give us vision, Lord God, for new ideas and creativity. Give us vision, Lord God, for what we can do, Lord God, in dramas and, and music to see people touched by you, Lord God. We just want to have vision. We want to have vision, Lord God, that you will fill your house up to capacity, Lord God. We want to have vision, Lord God, to plant churches, God. We want to have vision, Father, to have more cure group leaders, God, more ministries, God. We want more, Father, and we have to have vision. If we can't see it, we won't have it. So, Father, we want to have vision this morning, God. And I pray that those that are watching this morning, you would give them vision for their families, give them vision for their homes, God, give them vision for their children, God. Lord, where there's no vision, people perish. So, Father, we want vision this morning, God, and let us never, ever, ever be satisfied not to have it. But, Lord, let us be desperate to get it, that we will position ourselves at the right place, God, where we know you're going to be at, Father, to get our vision once again. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord God, for this message. We thank you for this day, for this day you have made. So we are glad and we rejoice in it, Father. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, right, Riyadh. Just begin to give the Lord some radical praise, amen. Let your neighbors hear you right now. Come on, lift up the name of Jesus right now, right where you're at. Hallelujah. Listen, if you're watching this morning and maybe somebody told you, hey, you need to check this out, but maybe, maybe you're not saved, you're not born again. Or maybe you served God at one time, but you've fallen away. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. And listen, this is what we live on, man. The Cure Church of Lee Summit, this is what we believe God for. We want to see people get saved. And we want to see, see people get saved, and we want to see them grow in the things of God and let God use their life. There's too many people out there that are hurting and broken. We want to see God touch your life. We want to see God touch your life. If that's you, and you say, I'm not saved, I'm not born again, and you've fallen away, and you want the Lord to forgive you of your sins and give you a hope and a future and usher you back in his presence, this is so amazing because the Bible says that when one sinner repents, all of heaven rejoices. I'm telling you right now that heaven is about to rejoice over this decision you're about to make. And let me tell you something. If you're wondering, man, you know, is, am I going to lose everything? You ain't going to lose nothing. You have nothing to lose, but you have everything to gain by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So if that's you and you say, I know that's me, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. I want you to mean it with all your heart and watch what God's about to do in your life. Amen. If you're ready to repeat this prayer, say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Wash me and cleanse me in your precious blood. I believe that you died for me and that you rose again on the third day. And on that third day, you defeated death, hell, the grave, and my sin. Come into my heart. Make me a new creation. The old me has passed away with. I am brand new. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you all of me. From this moment forward, I'm going to serve you. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit that I can be who you want me to be and do what you want me to do. In Jesus' name, I'm yours. Amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord some praise. If you said that prayer, man, God bless you. You just made the best decision of your entire life. 
and it's only the beginning. God's about to do some radical things in your life. Thank you so much for listening to the Cure Church Lead Summit podcast. If you would like to partner with us, please visit our website at www.thecurechurchls.com and click the Give tab. We thank you so much for joining us today. Remember, Jesus is the cure.